This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. Today I want to just talk to you about guans. Everybody say guans. Family guans. You know, the modern family today, we call it modern day family matters or modern day guans. And so as we have issues that we're dealing with in our families, I was doing some, st- some studies of some statistics. We don't keep very good statistics in Zimbabwe, and most of the statistics we have, we make up anyway. You know, they make them say whatever we want them to say. You know, like there were 60,000 abortions uh, that were illegal. Well, we can't even keep track of the ones that are legal, let alone the ones that are illegal. So, you know, those are just fake news and uh, just to push an agenda. And we know that agenda is being pushed. But what I want to encourage you with is that uh, the, whatever we're hearing from the United States where they do keep very good records is probably pretty much what's happening around the world today. We live in a society that has adopted much of this Western mentality and Western attitude. And it's not good. A lot of it's not good. And, and did you know that in the United States, every eight seconds of every school day, there's a child that drops out of school. Did you know in Zimbabwe, we cannot afford to send our kids to school. A lot of people, their kids are not in school. Every 26 check, seconds, a child runs away from home. Did you know that we have over two, almost 2 million children that are orphans in this country? Did you know that they don't have to run away from home, they just don't have homes? Did you know this is the number one This is the number three nation in Africa for child trafficking. Your children, my children, our children are being trafficked to a bunch of perverts into either slavery or into sex work. Your daughters and your sons. Every 47 seconds, a child is either abused or neglected in the United States of America. We have a lot of abuse. You know, when there's pressure on the society, our children get abused verbally, physically, emotionally. Every seven seconds, a child is arrested for a drug offense. You know, I used to remember we didn't have drugs in this country, but it's too much of a temptation for our politicians. They bring in the drugs so that they can make money. We know that they're there. We work in the communities. Oh, they will never be caught because they cover themselves. But the fact of the matter is it's big business in Zimbabwe now. Somebody's making a lot of money smuggling drugs. They don't even have to smuggle because they just point out the containers that don't get stopped at the border because they have political clout. They don't stop them. You don't think it's happening? Talk to people. Find out. But we'd rather turn a deaf ear and a blind eye sometimes than stand up and say, this is wrong. But I'm telling you it's wrong, and it's our children that are suffering. It's our communities that are suffering. And we'll let our children become drug addicts so somebody can make a few extra dollars. That's not right. Every 36 minutes, a child is either hurt or killed by a gun in the United States of America. Thank God we don't have that problem here. Not yet. Could it simply be that American parents haven't read the Bible? Could it be that they haven't taught their children to obey and to honor? Could that be the problem in Zimbabwe? So our focus this morning is, I believe, by the Holy Spirit, how we can care for our children. 
You know, with all the books and all the seminars and all the packets and pamphlets on raising kids, it's amazing to me that the Holy Spirit just uses four verses in the Bible to lead us and teach us. There's not a lot written about raising children, but the Apostle Paul gives us four verses in the Bible about how to raise our children. Maybe you're not a parent here this morning. Maybe you are a single parent. Uh, But you know what? Whether you're a parent or not, you're still a child. You're a child of the living God. You're a son and daughter of our Heavenly Father who loves you and he's faithful to you. And as his children, we have the joy of relating to a father that never leaves us, he never hurts us, and he never gives up on us. And I want you to be aware of what God is doing in your life today. Now, parents, we have an awesome privilege. I said it this morning when we were dedicating the babies. We have an awesome privilege to raise children. Billy Graham said this. He says, children will invariably talk, eat, walk, think, respond, and act like their parents. Give them a target to shoot at. Give them a goal to, look, to work towards. Give them a pattern that they can clearly see. If you do so, you give them something that gold and silver cannot buy. Wow. Thank you, Billy Graham. You know, in our care, we're given moldable, changeable, and unpredictable little lives, little people, and they grow up so quickly. They're not going to be what you tell them to be. They're going to be what they see you as. Watch this clip. It looks like rain again today. Dark clouds gather and fill the sky. Don't know how to talk to you. Just know how to say pretty graphic. You know, you and I get the right to feed our children, to clothe them, to house them. It's kind of the practical side of life. Uh, Many people are good at the practical side, but much more importantly, we get to feed them God's word. We get to clothe them with prayer. We get to house them in a spiritual, God-honoring Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he'll not depart from it. A woman named Dorothy Law Nolte once wrote down these thoughts. She says, if a child lives with criticism, he learns to condemn. If a child lives with hostility, he learns to fight. If a child lives with ridicule, he learns to be shy. If a child lives with shame, he learns to feel guilty. If a child lives with tolerance, he learns to be patient. If a child lives with encouragement, he learns confidence. If a child lives with praise, he learns to be appreciate. He learns to appreciate. 
a child lives with fairness, he learns justice. If a child lives with security, he learns to have faith. If a child lives with approval, he learns to like himself. And if a child lives with acceptance and friendship, he learns to find love in the world. So our attention this morning is turned towards our children, turned towards parenting. We talk about family guans, but some of the biggest guans have to do with our parenting style and with our family. What are you obeying as a parent? Where does your obedience, where does the source of your obedience come from? Are you studying pop psychology? You know, there's so many books out there telling us how to raise our children. Is it the latest videotape series? Is it nothing at all? I often get to talk to parents. I say, well, what, what, what guides your parenting? Where are you learning at? Oh, I don't know. We're just doing the best we can. Well, the best you can is probably not good enough. Are you flying by the seat of your pants? Tap your neighbor. Say, is he talking about you this morning? Just say, is that you that he's talking about? You see, there is a book out there that will help you be a better parent. That will help you be a parent altogether. It's an all-time bestseller. It's called the Bible. God's Word. Amen. So this morning I'm going to ask you to let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Would you just open your hearts and just let him prompt you? Would you open yourself up to his leading his prompting, his guidance, maybe even him speaking a word to your heart. You know, don't harden your heart to the word of God. Don't harden your heart to truth. Let's be open to what God might say. In Ephesians, the sixth chapter, verses 1 through 4, we're going to be looking at. But let's start with verses 1 through 3. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and you may enjoy long life on the earth. Obey and honor. That's a pretty powerful concept. Obey and honor. The Bible says children obey. Children obey. There's God's word to children. That's God's word to children. Obey your parents. Wow. Wow. What a difference our world would experience if obedience ruled the land. The Greek word obey is a really interesting word. It carries the idea of a soldier ready to engage in battle. He listens carefully to the orders and the instructions of his commanding officer. It's really a word of action. You are to obey your commanding officer. You're to do what the officer tells you to do. You're to obey your parents. You're to do what your parents tell you to do. Now notice, Paul is not addressing parents here. He doesn't say, hey, parents, have your kids obey you. No, that's not what he's saying. He says to the children, obey your parents. It's not just the children who are young and dependent. So many times we think, oh, children. You know, it's just these little children. After you're six years old, you don't need your, to obey your parents anymore. Well, let's, let me give you the, the word that Paul uses here to describe 
these little ones or these children. It doesn't mean little ones. It's the word technia, T-E-K-N-I-A. And it means, it's not a little one. It refers to any person living under the roof of a parent's home. Do I need to say it again? Tap your neighbor. Say, any person living under the roof of a parent's home. So whether you're 9 or 19, whether you're 3 or 35, if you live under your parent's roof, you are a technia. That's a good time to look down at your kids and say, listen to what the pastor's saying today. You are a technia. If you eat their food, use their bathroom, then this is a word of God for you. Obey your mom and dad. Man, I don't know. I can't get any better than that. It's hard to get an amen in this church, I can tell you. You see, one of the things that I teach my children, or one of the things that I learned a long time ago, that there are certain rights that you have if you live in the Duchelle family. There are certain entitlements that you will have. For example, there is a bed. There's a roof over your head. There's three meals a day. You have education. These are entitlements. These are, and there are things, but then there are also privileges. And there are things like cell phones, computers, a car to drive, fun on the weekends. These are privileges. I will never take one of your rights away, but I can take your privileges away. All the young people said, (laughs) all the parents said, Uh, 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 see, here's, here's, here's the problem. That big amen shows me that you're blustering. You're, yeah, 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 yeah. But you haven't been doing that. See, what you've been doing is you've been threatening with, I'm gonna, you, you, I'll, you, I'll put you out on the street. You could be like your uncle. You could be like, you know, or you're sicking Tete on them. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get Tete in here. Don't threaten your children. Listen, set rules up. Say, guys, listen, I love you. You'll always be loved in this house. You'll always have a place to stay. We're not going to take, your, we're not going to take your rights away from you. We're not going to take your entitlements away from you. But we will curtail your privileges if you don't obey, if you don't do it. Because we're here to help you become obedient children. We're here to help you mature. We're here to help you grow. I mean, I've seen kids throw temper tantrums because they didn't get the latest cell phone they wanted. Are you kidding me? You will never get a cell phone in my house if you throw a temper tantrum. Ever. I had a little girl the other day. She was angry because her mom and dad wouldn't let her drive the car. I said, wait a minute. You're angry because you don't get to drive the car? With that attitude, you would never drive the car in my house. That is a privilege. It's not a right. By the way, she was 16 years old. How is this obedience to take place? Well, there's a guideline here. The Apostle Paul says this obedience is to take place in the Lord. You know, you're going to find something else in life 
out in life. That life is much more fulfilling in Christ Jesus, in the Lord. When you live your life in the Lord, there's a fulfillment that comes to life. When you're outside of the Lord, life can get hard really fast. A lot of people have lived their life. One of the things I teach my children is how to God's anointing, and it's hard. But one of the things I teach my children is that, hey, you can have my blessing or you can have my permission. A lot of kids don't know the difference of walking in the blessing of God and the permission of God. The permissive will of God is a place of destruction for all of us because it leaves us open to the enemy. Here's how the permissive will works in my life with my children. My kids used to come to me. One of them came to me and said, I don't want to go to school tomorrow. I said, that's fine. You don't have to go to school tomorrow. I said, bring me a piece of paper. I'd write the note. I'd say, dear Mrs. So-and-so, whoever the teacher was, uh, Tommy or whoever it was, doesn't want to come to school, didn't want to come to school today. So whatever the punishment is for him, <laughs> I give you full permission to, to meet out whatever the punishment is. And I tell him, I make him read it. He decided he wanted to go to school. He thought I was going to side against authority. He thought, you know what, never, ever side against authority. Now, some of you, 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 you believe your children. I'm going to tell you something, my children were always wrong. Always. If the teacher told me that they did wrong, even if they were right, they did wrong. There were times that the teacher didn't get it 100% right. Like the one time with Daniel. You know, I don't know if I've ever told you this story, but here at the school, Daniel. Daniel kind of had a reputation, you know, he... Uh, he was the pastor's kid, you know, and pastor's kids can push the envelope a little bit. So one time he pushed the envelope with one of his teachers. And I, I found out about it. So they told me they were going to discipline him in the school, which I believe in. I believe that you should discipline. <laughs> I believe that you need to take the board of education and put it on the seat of learning. And so uh, they did, they did. But uh, what my son thought was going to happen and what happened was two different things. He thought that was it until he got home. And then he had to talk to dad. I said, what happened? Well, you know, I, I had an altercation with one of the teachers. I said, no, I want to know exactly what happened. What did, you, what did you do? He said, I called her a jackass. I, oh, I said, you, you, is that what you said? You called your teacher a jackass? Yes, I did. I said, oh. I said, good, go to my office. So then I went to the office and we sat down and I said, okay. By the way, I never, ever discipline in anger. I'm not, I said, look, look. I'm, I, I, he embarrassed me. He embarrassed himself. He embarrassed, I mean, I'm the pastor after all. But I'm not trying to, listen, kids are kids. They're going to do those stupid stuff. I'm trying to get him to understand what he did. So we went, and I, 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 I went in. To be honest with you, I kind of chuckled. I, I'm just how I am. And, and I, and I, but I, you get in my room. I didn't let him know I chuckled. But I went in, and I said, okay. So I said, what, what were you thinking? And we talked. And he defended himself, and he'd kind of been pushed by some friends, and he kind of had a rough day, and it just kind of came out. And I said, but son, we don't use those words in our family. We don't, we don't treat, we don't disrespect authority that way. Yeah, Dad, I'm sorry. I, I, I see that. So he repented. I said, okay, what do you think the right punishment is? 
I said, now let me remind you. I said, for every time that you come in here, just walking through this door means there's two, right? You get two smacks. So what's the right punishment? He says, Dad, I think two's enough. <laughs> I said, no. I said, two is just for coming in the room. <laughs> he says, Dad, I think two more. I said, what for? He says, one for Jack and one for ass. <laughs> well, I have to tell you something. I laughed. I laughed. I, right there, I just broke. I just, it was so funny. I just sat there. I just laughed. You know, and when he saw me laughing, he knew he had gotten away with it. I wasn't going to spank him. He was wrong. <laughs> he was wrong. He got spanked. Four. He got four good ones. Amen. Right? But that's become a Duchelle legend now. Uh, we love to tell that story. But, you know, if you discipline your children correctly, they get the benefit of being disciplined. But, you know, permissive versus my permission versus my blessing is really important in life. So a Christian home is supposed to be in the Lord. In the Lord. You know, in the Lord is the environment. It's the atmosphere. It's the climate of a Christian home. Your home. My home. We create that environment. It's a house that's under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It's where we experience his love. Where we extend his grace in each other's lives. It's where we see a picture of us as children relating to our Heavenly Father. All of us relating to our Heavenly Father. God is a Father. We're submitted to Him. I'm God's representative in my family, so I want my children to begin to understand who God is by the way I treat them. If your kids are to obey you, then I have to ask you, Are you obeying your father? Are you obeying your father who's in heaven? You see, in order to get our kids to obey, they have to see us obey. There's another way of looking at this. This is a key. Obeying or obey your parents in the Lord or obey your parents according to the Lord's will. You know, for children... Following through or obeying your parents' direction, if it's in the Lord, is important for you. If a parent tells a child to do something that's contrary, however, to the heart of Jesus, to the heart of the Word of God, then that child is not obligated to do that. But if what your parent is telling you to do is something that they believe is biblical, that they believe is for your best benefit, you're obligated to do it. Jesus would never have a child. Hide because they're abused or cower in fear. If you're abusing your child. Then you need help. No. Child needs to obey their parent if they're told to go to the Bon Marche and steal dinner tonight. No, that's, that's a violation of the word of God. But if your mom and dad say, hey, clean up your room and get ready for bed. And the child says, hey, mom, that doesn't bear witness with my spirit tonight. <laughs> uh, let me tell you something. Obey your parents. Obey your parents. I don't care what it bears witness or doesn't bear witness with. 
Note this. A child, a son, or a daughter living under mom and dad's roof is to obey their parent in the Lord. It is, if it's not according to God's heart, if what your parent is telling you is not according to God's heart, then you need to obey the Lord. There's still obedience involved. Do what Jesus would have done. Do what God would do. I know this sounds almost too simple, too easy, too simplistic. Yet our homes become so spiritually powerful when wives submit to their husbands and husbands love their wives. And by the way, submission is not telling your wife what to do. I'm the head of the family. That's not submission. You don't make your wife submit. She willingly submits to you because you are loving her. It's really a beautiful family. It's a beautiful home when children obey their parents. There's success. There's an environment for peace and powerful witness to a community that is dying for strong families. I like how it ends. In Ephesians 6 and verse 1, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. For this is right. Man, that's, that's pretty powerful. This is right. Obedience in the home is proper. Obedience in the home is good. It's wholesome. It's right. Respect and obedience are the bedrock of any home. In fact, respect and obedience are the bedrock of any society. In fact, of any relationship. That is why it is so detrimental when we do not respect and obey in our society. Our government does not respect and obey its own laws. They have two sets of laws. One if you're a ZANU PF crony and one if you're somebody else. This is wrong. You cannot have, the law has to be equal for all people. We don't have a ZANU PF and an MDC and every other faction in this country. We are Zimbabweans. The law is equal for Zimbabweans. But when we interpret it that it's not equal for Zimbabweans, we, it's hard to obey. Now, you and I as Christians, we must obey the laws of the land as unto the Lord, even though sometimes these laws have been perverted now to protect evil or to attack one little faction. We do not have laws that think in terms of building a nation for 50 or 100 years. That's why nobody will invest in Zimbabwe. You don't come to a nation where your laws change like you change underwear. See, most of our laws are to get reelected for one more term, to stay in power, not to build a great nation. It's time for you and I to speak up about what does a great nation look like. But you know what? It starts in our homes. What does a great family look like? Respect and obedience are the bedrock. They're the foundation. You know what's not right? I'll tell you what's not right. Rebellion. Absentee parents. Homes that are run by children. 
One area that I'm concerned with over the past few years is a wave of children, mainly teenagers, refusing to come to church. Oh, I don't like the youth group. I don't want to listen to that sermon. It's boring. I don't like this church or that church. On and on the list goes. They flip on the TV. They catch the latest MTV videos. They flip on the computer. They surf the net. Whatever they're doing. But they're not being spiritually nourished. Parents, we need to help our children become spiritually nourished. I really believe in these last days that our teenagers are being ripped off right underneath our 66%. Our children can slip away so quickly. 66% of our teenagers spend less than 30 minutes a week talking to their parents about what is important to them. So bad is this that even the children are recognizing it around the world and are reaching out and saying, hey, mom and dad, would you pay attention to me? Watch this. Ich wünsche mir, dass nach der Demo viele Leute darauf achten, dass sie nicht mehr so viel aufs Handy gucken. of a <laughs> tap your neighbor say I think he's talking to you now <laughs> you see you have to understand something some of you are giving your children these when they're five six years old you're, you're, you're destroying their brains some of, some of your children have no limits on how long or how much of this they watch I've watched children have temper tantrums when they couldn't get wireless they, couldn't, they, they can't carry on a conversation with each other or with an adult. But they can, they can houses. As the pastor, I've been to your cell phone. You, have, you go to people's houses. As the pastor, I've been to your homes. And everybody has their cell phone at the lunch that you invited your pastor to. And everybody's checking their phone the whole time. Well, why would, I, why would you have me come to lunch if you... We have children today... That don't even talk to their parents because they don't think their parents know anything. They think wisdom comes from this. But this is being manipulated. We know there are algorithms that are promoting very liberal ideas and hiding very conservative ones. Anti-biblical. You can get knowledge from the phone, but you cannot get wisdom from it. When you ask your child, 
a question, the first place they go is here. You know, we have young girls today that never call their mothers about how to raise their children. Why? Because you think this is more valuable than a mother's insights. You learned how to change a nappy by Google, not by your mother coming and helping you. Knowledge is good. But let me tell you something. Years of life, years of hardship, learning things the hard way. Context can bring wisdom. Don't discount family. Today we have a real problem. In the United States, girls are drinking like boys. Teenage girls are almost as likely to get drunk and drink alcohol as boys. Teenage alcohol abuse, 48% girls, 52% boys. Underage alcohol use accounts for one-fourth of all alcohol consumed in the United States. One-fourth. That means one out of every four beers is consumed by somebody under the age of 18. If you don't know this, there are so-called nightclubs in Harare where your children go underage and are served alcohol. But we don't ever say anything about it. But if you ever decide to figure this out, the effect of alcohol on a child's brain, in fact, the effect of alcohol on your brain, that's why some of, and some of you can't afford this. I can tell you right now, you can't afford this. But if you really study this, you're going to find out that alcohol is, there's no good use really for alcohol. Oh, it makes me relax. Well, I'll tell you what, so does prayer. Just understand this, those children in just a few years are going to be in college. And consider this report posted on my alma mater, the University of Northern Colorado's website. As many as 70% of college students admit to having engaged in sexual activity primarily as a result of being under the influence of alcohol or to having sex they wouldn't have had if they had, not, if they had been sober. 60% of college women who are infected with STDs, including herpes and AIDS, report that they, were unable, that they were under the influence of alcohol at the time that they had intercourse with the infected person. According to the Center for Disease Control, one in 1,500 college students is HIV positive and the fastest growing populations of, America, of American people infected with HIV are teenagers and young adults. That's the United States of America. You can only imagine what goes on in Zimbabwe where we want to pass laws that a 12-year-old does not have to have parental consent to go to a doctor because we're trying to cover up the fact that we have a bunch of old men in our high schools and in our colleges that are taking young girls and impregnating them, having intercourse with them, paying them because the finances of our nation are so poor that a little girl in order to stay in university will have sex with some pig who doesn't care if he impregnates her, who doesn't care if she gets HIV or an STD, and now he wants to pass a law that says, no, 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 it's legal to have more than one wife, it's legal to have more than one sexual relationship, and if they do have a problem, let them go to the doctor without their parents knowing at 12 years of age. This is on the books right now. Right now, they're pushing this in your country. Oh, it's another way of abortion, by the way, as well. Because if you can go at 12 years old to a doctor and they already believe, many of them have been infiltrated, that abortion is good, 
hey, we'll just terminate that pregnancy. Don't worry. Your mom and dad will never know. Well, let me tell you something. We have a real problem, and it's time for you and I to stand up. And it's time for you to say something. It's time for you to go to your MPs. It's time for us to let these men and women who are irresponsible, that call themselves leaders, to let them know that this is not healthy, it's not right, this does not build strong families, and it does not build a strong nation. I hope that last statistic kind of grabbed your heart. It's the young people that are dying of HIV now. The fastest growing population of American people infected with AIDS are teenagers, young adults. Why? Well, part of it is because they don't listen to mom and dad. They're listening to MTV or to their sociology teacher or their friend or their latest magazine or they're going to some liberal university where they have no values our young people are ruining their lives because they're not listening to mom and dad. Moms, dads, bring your kids to church. Under your roof, church isn't optional for you. It shouldn't be optional for them. An area that I've been praying for is parents giving up church on Sundays for sports and other activities for their children. Every Sunday I pass sports clubs and soccer fields, hundreds of children, parents engaged in a game. A few weeks ago, in my own family, we faced the same or a similar situation. We wanted to take a trip to Kariba. It would have been convenient to just, hey, let's, you know, we could go on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. It's a long weekend. Our, my brother's here. It would have been great to have those extra couple of days to spend time with him. We chose church. Why? Why? Because they needed church. You know, Bonnie and I had this joke when I first started the ministry. You know, it was this guy... His wife comes in and wakes him up and she says, it's time to go to church. She says, give me two good reasons I should go to church. She says, well, first of all, you're 55 years old. She says, secondly, you're the pastor. <laughs> our children's sports programs, our children's extracurricular activities, they shouldn't, we shouldn't bow down to them. Those things should bow down to the kingdom of God. They do not and cannot take priority over our worship of God. Matthew 6, 31 through 33, you all quote it, but here's what it says. Therefore, do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after these things the Gentiles or the heathen seek, the pagans. For your heavenly fathers knows that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Oh, man, I'll tell you what, there's the whisper of the devil. I can hear the hiss of the serpent saying, oh, you can miss a Sunday. You can skip that message. And you can skate by without the word of God. You don't need it. The devil's right in the middle of that. Jesus said this, 
when the devil tempted him. In Luke 4, 4, he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Ephesians 6, verses 2 and 3, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you, that you may enjoy long life on the earth. That it may be well with you. God says, hey, this is a promise for you. It has a promise in it. If you honor, if you obey your mom and dad, it'll go well with you. Paul's referring to the Old Testament, the fifth commandment. Honor your father and mother. Why? Because there's a promise attached. You know, let me, let me explain something to you. Back in the Old Testament, in that day, if a child messed up, they could stone him. Right there, they could kill him. Just kill him. No, no, I tell you. In fact, during the era of the Roman Empire, there was a Roman law called Patria Potestas. Put it up there. Patria Potestas. The father's power is what it means. The father's power. Patria Potestas. Under Patria Potestas, a Roman father had absolute power over his family. He could sell them as slaves. He could make them work in his fields, even in chains. He could punish as he liked. He could even inflict the death penalty. When a child was born, it was placed before his father's feet. And if the father stooped and lifted the child, that meant that he acknowledged it and wished it to be kept. If he turned and walked away, it meant he refused to acknowledge it and that the child could quite literally be thrown out. Oh, I know, some of us complain. Oh, it's just so hard living in Zimbabwe. My mom and dad don't understand me. Oh, I wish you lived in Rome. No, I don't, I don't. You see, you have to understand something. The whole world, the whole world, world was a pagan society except for a little tiny enclave of people who worshipped almighty God, the one God, a monotheistic God, El Shaddai, Elohim. There was only a little group called Jews. The rest of the world, everywhere else in the world didn't worship one God. They worshipped many gods and guess what? Those gods were demanding. Molech, Ishtar, all these gods had to do what they demanded, child sacrifice, child sacrifice. Children were chattel, children were used to appease the gods. Mm. That's why there's such a rise in Satanism. That's why you and I know what our politicians, our business people do. That's why so many children go missing in this country. You know that. We all know it. It's the worst, best-kept secret in the world. We dedicate with blood ritual to make ourselves rich, serving the God of mammon. It's wrong. The word honor literally means to give value. Honor. Give value. Cherish your parents. I'll tell you what, your parents are God's gift to children, to lead them, to guide them, to instruct them. And so as children obey their parents, as they value and honor their parents, there's a blessing. 
It's a blessing. Paul writes, it will be well with you. Now, there are times when mom and dad might be making some really interesting or very confusing decisions. Maybe they aren't walking with the Lord. Maybe they're struggling with some with this or that issue or that cause. But even when they're making wrong decisions, if you obey them and you honor them, you will become the right person in the end. Obey them. What does it mean in verse 3 that you may live long on the earth? Well, in those days, the rabbis taught that it referred to a quality and a quantity of life. Proverbs 3.16 says, long life in her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honor. Let me tell you something. There's no good having riches and honor if you're not going to have a long life. Right hand is the hand of blessing. God says, I'm going to give you a right hand of blessing, long life. Left hand, riches and honor. I'm going to give you both quantity and quality. There will be a fullness of life, an excellence of life. Let me close. Ephesians 6 and verse 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Paul chose this section for addressing the dad. He says, fathers, don't provoke your children. Some say this is referring to both parents, and it can. But here in context, I see it reflects and, is, and, and it referenced directly to the fathers. Earlier, he addressed wives directly, then husbands directly, then children directly, and now fathers. I believe it's natural for moms to care for their children and care about them and to do whatever the child needs to be done to care for them, to mend them, to support them, to love them, to be there for them. There's something about that nine-month head start. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> that moms have that draw them much closer to their children. A mom's passion is to love and to care for her child or to her children. But you dads, listen to me. Don't provoke your children. Now, there's lots of ways to provoke your children to wrath. Here's a list of ten things. Number one. Smothering them, never giving them a chance to take chances. Well, I watch this. Sometimes, oh, we're so nervous. Oh, my. Oh. Let your little boy, let your little girl scuff her knee. Don't react. One of the beautiful things about my wife is, I got to tell you something. She and I never reacted. We have boys. They would fall off their bikes. They would do stupid stuff. One time, John climbed up in a tree. No ordinary tree. This was a big eucalyptus tree. And he's up, way up, way up, and now he can't get down. And there's no way I'm climbing up there. So what do you do? Well, the last thing you do is panic. Bonnie walked out and said, hold on, I'll get your dad. Thank God she never showed any emotion. I came out and said, how'd you get up there? <laughs> I knew how, but, you know, I'm trying to get his attention. Okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to help you come down. You just follow my instruction. And I guided him down that tree without showing it. But had I gone, ah! <laughs> he'd still be up in that tree today. <laughs> Let your kids... Have a chance to take some chances. And guess what? They may bump themselves, hurt themselves. The night before Tommy's wedding, all of my kids and a few of the kids in the church 
We're in jail. Yeah. They had taken a slingshot that I bought them. Oh, no ordinary slingshot. This had three people to launch it. One to hold this side, one to hold this side, and one to pull it back with water balloons. And these would launch about mm, 300 meters. And they'd gone to an outdoor place where kids hung out. They were up on a mountain launching water balloons. Nobody got hurt, but they weren't smart. I told them, I said, if you're going to do this, don't get caught. I see, this is true confessions of a pastor <laughs> who's a father. But your kids are going to do that one way or the other. But they got caught. I won't uncover my other fathers and people in the church, but we all ended up at Barrowdale Police Station <laughs> at 3 in the morning. But it was a good lesson for my children. It was a good fathering thing. And we didn't smother them, but they, by the way, did get punished. They Not punished, they did, got disciplined. Number two, favoritism. Don't favor one child over the other. Comparing your children with each other. Well, that's the worst thing you can do. Why can't you be like Tommy? Why can't you be? No, 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 no. Each one of your children is so unique and so different. And you got to know, you got to know that they're not going to be what you want them to be. They're going to be what God wants them to be. Let them be what God wants them to be. And I had a mother here the other day and she's telling her kids, you're going to be a doctor, you're going to be a doctor. He didn't want to be a doctor. I said, why do you keep making him be a doctor? Because we're, we're, I want him to have a good, how, how about if you just let him figure it out? Help him, help him, but not everybody has to be a doctor. And I had a guy in our church and he was a lawyer. And he hated being a lawyer. Finally one day, I, and, and I mean, he was in his 40s. And finally one day I said, well, what would you like to do? He said, oh, my dad made me be a lawyer. I said, I hate it. I said, what would you want to do? You know what he did? He started fixing houses. He started going and doing fix-me-ups. He'd find an old house. He'd buy a house, and then he'd fix it up, and then he'd like double his money. He loved it. Guess what he does for a living? He fixes houses. And guess what? He does all the conveyancing himself because he's a lawyer. <laughs> Stop pushing their achievement beyond reasonable bounds. We're trying to make them be something that, hey, don't be unreasonable with them. If you don't get straight A's, hey, listen, I never got a straight A in my life. I could have. But I was a B-plus student. Why would I get straight A's? Why would I spend all that time if I can just go to class and get B-pluses? Don't discourage your children. Failing to make children feel wanted. You need always treat them like they're intruding on your life. Hey, make your children feel like you want them. I'm so glad you're here. I, I, I want my kids around me. I want my grandkids around me. And when you come to my house, hey, you're the most important thing in my life. I'm glad you're here. Using love as a tool for reward not punishment. Failing to let them grow up as in a normal life. Some people punish with their love. 
withholding it. Don't, don't punish them. You, I love you even if you do wrong. I love you. As, their, as your pastor, I love you even when you do stupid things. Tell your neighbor, I think he's talking about you again. Just tell him, I think that's you. <laughs> Failing to let them grow up in a normal life. I don't know if we have a normal life in Zimbabwe, but, you know, uh, give them as normal a life as possible. Physical and verbal abuse. Don't you ever strike your child in anger. Don't you dare tear them down verbally. That's, that's, not, that's not parenting. And teasing and taunting them. I tease my kids a little bit, but I never tease them to the point of discouraging them or denigrating them. You know, we only have our children for a very short time. Once it's over, it's over. There's a legend of a medieval sidewalk superintendent. And he was asking three different stonemasons. He says, you know, they were working on a construction project. And he asked them, what are you doing? And the first one replied, he says, I'm laying bricks. The second one said no. He described his work as that of building a wall. But it was the third one, the third laborer, who demonstrated genuine esteem for his work when he said, I'm raising a great cathedral. Pose that same question to any two fathers concerning their role in the family. You're liable to get the same contrast. The first may say, I'm supporting my family. The second may see things differently and say, I'm raising children. The former looks at his job as putting bread on the table, but the latter sees things in God's perspective. He's participating in shaping his children's lives. Paul ends this section with a positive command. Instead of provoking them, he says, nurture them. Dads, nurture your children. You might be surprised at the root word of that word. It literally means to discipline them. The same word is found in Hebrews 12, verses 5 and 6. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as father, as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the ones he loves and chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Hebrews, in King James, it says, for whom he loves, the Lord loves, he chastens and he scourges every son that he receives. So I want you to know there's discipline, there's instruction. It's needed in our home. Correction, reproof, and encouragement are all involved. And on occasion, a spanking or two on the rear end of those children. Dads, you're the chief discipliner or a better way of putting it is, you are discipling your children in the ways of Jesus. There were recently some Form 3 and Form 4 students. They were interviewed about their dads. They were asked this question. What comes to mind when you think of the word dad? Answers came immediately from both ends of the spectrum. One of them said this. I think of the word jerk. Other thoughts were angry, mad, absent. On the other hand, some of the young people said, I think of wholeness, kindness, security, and safety. Boy, I'll tell you what, dad is an immensely powerful word, isn't it? That's awesome. It's what we as believers. We have, a, we have the perfect example, our Heavenly Father. 
We have a father that is selfless. He's sacrificial. He gave the very best. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. He gave his best so that we could be our best. He nurtures us. He instructs us. He teaches us. He guides us. He disciplines us. He never gives up on us and he's always encouraging us to higher levels of love, higher levels of grace. He's faithful. He's reliable. He's dependable. He's consistent. Dads and moms, we may blow it in our homes. We may make mistakes. We may say wrong words and do wrong things. But let me tell you something. God is all too ready to forgive. He's ready to help you. He's ready to support you. But we must be willing to take responsibility. Go home today. Humble yourselves before your children. Ask them for forgiveness. Hug them. Love them. Affirm them in Jesus. We must be willing to talk about our issues. We must be able to tackle them and realize that we're becoming like Jesus. God wants us to be like him. There are family guans, but there's no guan that can't be talked about. There's no guan that can't be dissected. And with honest and real conversation, if we'll turn towards each other, we can solve every family issue and every family problem. We're going to be talking about family guans the next few weeks. Next week, I really want to encourage you to be here. We'll take a little hiatus over the Kalif Cup weekend, but it'll still be a great message. I went a little bit long today. In fact, I went really long today. But I'm blaming baby dedications. I'm blaming Kalif Cup. I'm blaming anybody but me. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Amen. Let's all stand. Father, I pray for our church, I pray for our nation, and I pray for our family. All of our families. Father, every man, every woman under the sound of my voice, I'm asking, Lord, that you would God cause a grace to come upon them. Father, that we would take this message to heart. That, Father, even if we only heard one thing, Father, that you would cause our ears to cause our hearts to respond. That we would do and do what your word says. Help us, Lord. Help our children. Help us to create an atmosphere where they can obey, where they can have life that satisfies, where they can be blessed in all that we say and do. Now bless us as we go. Make our time this afternoon. Make up the time that your pastor wasted. Father, give them a great afternoon, I pray. Give our church a great afternoon. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.